Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Well, we're going to get straight into it um, this morning. Life is better when we live with passion. It, It just is. You and I were meant to live with Passion. God made us that way. It, it's not a. Um, it's not a. Uh, it's not a. Uh, what's the word? I mean, it's not a personality. Um, you know, just because someone's extroverted doesn't mean and loud's not. That's not passion. You can be loud and have no passion. You can be introverted and have passion. Life is better when we live with passion. Passion is energy. It's zeal. It's fire. It's desire on the inside that that excites us, inspires us, and moves us to action. God wants you and he wants me to live with, with passion. How's your passion today? And so this is week three. This is the last week of this series about um, passion. And next week, I want you to tell you, the series we're launching everywhere next week um, is a series I've been thinking about for years. And it's a series that I want to encourage you to be in church, whatever that looks like. It's a series I've sat on for years and we're coming to it now. I think as we open up is now is the time to bring it. And so, and the first week really sets up the whole thing. So I encourage you around that. But today let's talk passion in, in week three. Passion, how to get it, how to keep it and how to harness it. That's what we're talking about. How to get it. And we talked about that in week one, how to get it and how to keep it. And, and if you weren't here, um, in any way, um, go listen to the podcast. And number two, we talked about how to, how to, how to get it, how to keep it. And then uh, last week, we talked about how to harness it, how to harness it, the, the idea of harnessing passion. And, and to harness something is to take a thing and put it to effective use for a particular purpose. That's to harness something, to take a thing and put it to effective use for a particular purpose, harnessing something. God wants us to harness Passion. The Bible says this. It's kind of been our key um, Bible verse through this series. Romans chapter 12, verse 11 says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, your spiritual fire, um, serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal. Never be found as a believer in Jesus. It's specifically talking to you. Never be lacking, never be found without a fire on the inside for God and the things of God. That's really what it's saying. That there should always be a fire. There should always be a stirring. It's, it's coming. It's going. It ebbs. It flows. But for us, the, the point is it'd be something that, that God has room to stir and that we would stir up ourselves. That there'd be a fire on the inside. Um, and I love the idea here, this idea that it says, never be lacking. The inferred is that you and I can do something about it. I like that. Aren't you glad that you didn't not get passion? Sorry, that, that, that I, don't you like the idea? Let me start again. I like the idea that I didn't get passion and you missed out. And that you didn't get it and I missed out. Passion, imagine you missed out on the gift of passion. Imagine it was something like other gifts that God distributed that you missed out and I didn't or I missed out and you didn't. That would be a tragedy. But the reality is that God has placed within all of us the capacity for every human to live with passion. There's a capacity for passion within the, the, the human spirit. God placed it there. And so the Bible comes along and says, never be lacking in zeal. Keep the fire strong, serving the Lord. And I love it. It reminds me that I can, 
I can get passion. It reminds me that I can keep it. It reminds me that if I lose it, I can get it back. Although I don't lose it, I leave it behind, but I can leave it behind and get it back. It reminds me that I can inspire, inspire it. It reminds me that I can channel it, and it reminds me that I can harness it. Uh, passion. So high passion or low passion, think about it in your life, is a great revealer where I'm at on a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Brian and I have been married. This is our 20th year of marriage. Easy for me to remember. We got married the same year that Kathy Freeman won gold. We've been married for 20 years. And I can tell you that every day over every year, my passion for Brian has been white hot. Not really. It, it, passion ebbs and flows. That's life. Sorry. But it's mine to stir. And Brian's passion for me... I've given every reason in the world for it to be high passion at all times. But the reality is, despite my finest efforts, that sometimes Brian has lived with low passion towards me. I don't know why. I don't understand it. It makes no sense. But sometimes she has. And it's on her to stir that passion towards, towards me, to live with passion. And, you know, it's the same biblically. God wants us to live with passion across the um, the ebbs and flows of our life. But high passion or low passion is a great revealer of where we're up to in a thing. Low passion, I can see from Scripture, low passion can pay a high price. In fact, I would suggest that it pays too high a price, doesn't it? Low passion pays a very high price. But the opposite's true too. High passion harness brings us as alive like nothing or like few other things can. When you've got passion around a thing, no one has to motivate you, no one has to get you moving. You know, when the gym reopened, I noticed that people drifted back slowly to the gym. Yesterday was the first day where it kind of felt normal. But I can tell you two people in this room that didn't have to be motivated to go back. I found out when it was opening and I went back. I'm pretty confident that Jules Coleman either knew when it was opening and went to the gym or she was outside exercising in place of the gym. Either way, why? Because she's just got passion around it. She's a liar. She lied about the fact that she bought a house. I want you to all know that. On Instagram, don't trust everything you see on Instagram, especially from the Coleman's. And, but, but she has high passion around that kind of staying fit and that kind of thing. And high passion changes the thing. You got low passion around it, you think about it while you eat the packet of Tim Tams, don't you? And, but if you got high passion around it, you go to the gym while you think about the packet of Tim Tams. High passion. And God's placed it within us, and he asks us to stir it. So in week one, I talked about that. Week two, we talked about that. And in week two, we talked about these strings as three things as it relates to harnessed passion. Number one, harnessed passion is passion with purpose. Harnessed passion is passion with purpose, number one. Number two, we talked about passion is to serve God's universal purposes. There are things that God calls every believer in Jesus to. We, we, we don't opt out because we're not passionate about them. Things like hospitality. The Bible talks about a person having the gift of hospitality, but it says that all believers should be hospitable. We should all engage with people. We should all engage with other believers. We should all live with an open house or at least an open hand policy. You know, world's changed a bit, maybe at a cafe, maybe in our home, but we should all live with that. They're universal things that God calls his church to live with. And then number three, passion is to go after God's unique purpose he calls us to. There's a unique purpose on your, in, for your life that God calls you to. There is for me and in my life as well. And there is something, I can tell you, there's something pretty invigorating, pretty stirring about that. 
where when, when you get to the place where you understand the unique purpose that God calls you to in any given season, because it does change across the course of life. But when you understand that and when it gets on the inside of you, it's addictive like nothing else I've ever done. And I've done lots of things. I wasn't always a believer in Jesus. It's more addictive than anything I've ever done is when you come to the place where the unique purposes of God for your life that he's wired you for and gifted you for and appointed you to, when that starts to get on the inside of us, wow, something starts to happen that transforms the way we live. It transforms the way we see life and everything about it. There's just something for it because we are born for it. We're wired for it. We're called to it. God pre-appointed it before you'd breathe the breath that there would be God-appointed purpose on your life and mine. So let's build on that today. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 28, it says this. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and, and Sidon. Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out. She was pretty desperate. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Now I just want to pause because those of us who have grown up in Western culture, some of us will be like demon-possessed, like, is that even legit? But if you've been to other cultures, you know that it's legit. I, I, I've been in India where a woman would be, I met the woman and they prayed for her and she was healed of demon possession. I didn't pray. I didn't know what the hell was going on, but other people did. And, and this woman was in her sane mind all day and then when night fell, she would transform and go screaming through the cemetery until daybreak. And no one could do anything. And these Christian believers prayed for her and she was instantly healed and came into a sane mind. And, and if you know anything about the world, our world is not the world. The world is a spiritual place. You've got a spirit inside of you. There's a few signs. Man, is anybody in any doubt that someone like Adolf Hitler was evil to the core? We live in a spirit world. And so Jesus is there this day. This woman pleads with him. She recognizes that her daughter is being tormented by an evil spirit. And she says, hey, Jesus, I know who you are and I know what you can do. Please come and heal my daughter. And then Jesus, it says, did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she creeps crying out after us. Doesn't that make you breathe a sigh of relief? Like how dumb could they be? How much hope is there for us? They're like, they're like, yeah, get rid of her. Don't help her, Jesus. She's a pain. Makes me feel like, you know, wherever I feel like I fail in my Christian life, there's incredible hope. Sometimes, you know, um, just need to remember that we all get it wrong, that we all mess it up. And so, and so he, Jesus answers her, verse 24. And this is his answer. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, I didn't even want to read that to you because it's like, what? Jesus? Is that your response to a woman who's on her knees pleading with you? Jesus says, I've been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, imagine I said that to you today. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. I like this woman. Verse 27, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. 
your request is granted, and her daughter was healed at that moment. Now we know, because we've got a bigger picture than this tiny little plan, we know that Jesus actually loves all humanity. And we know that this is actually a lesson for as much for anyone, his disciples around him, that God is for those outside of the Jewish people, and he's teaching them a lesson because they're going to take the gospel and Jesus' message to the world. So here they don't understand that in the moment, but we get that retrospectively, and we get that as we see the bigger picture of Jesus. But here's the first thought. He said, verse 24, he said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Number four, having given you the first three from last week, harness passion gets this. Here's what it gets. Not every purpose we get passionate about is to be lived out. This is important. Not every purpose that you and I get passionate about is to be lived out. I, I, I don't know how you feel about that, what your response is to that. But, but, but it's very important before we go any further, we're talking specifically about the unique purpose of God, not the universal. It's really important we get the idea that not everything I'm passionate about is to be lived out. Because I don't know about you, I'm passionate about a whole bunch of things that if I try and live them all out, I'm going to get nothing done. I'm not going to affect anything or anyone because it'll just be random and all over the place. And I'll establish this for us. This is liberating when we get it because not everything I'm passionate about is to be lived out. Here's how I want you to know. Jesus got this. Did Jesus not care about the other people across the world? Of course he did, but he understood that the thing he was specifically called to, to set up everything, was to go to the lost sheep of Israel. And if he diverted from that, so much would be lost. But if he would stay with that, the world could be won. And for us, there are purposes that God calls us to, that we're to live passionate about, and there are others that we have a passion for that aren't part of our future. Jesus knew what he was called to, he knew what he wasn't called to, and he knew what wasn't yet. Not everything is called to now, and some things are just not yet. Some of the things we're seeing happen now, um, uh, you know, is, um, you know, with the launching on the coast and Ganada and obviously Gaia and Amada, these are things that I was talking privately to Bron about well before we did them. But Bron said to me, I don't think they're yet, Darren. And not words I like to hear, not yet, uh, when it comes to future plans. But Bron said to me, Darren, it's not yet. And I knew in my heart that that was true. It might not ever be, I thought, but it's certainly not yet. And some passions are just not yet or not at all. The Apostle Paul got this. No one was more fired up about the Jewish people and, and, and them coming to a knowledge of Jesus than the man Paul. The Apostle Paul, on the surface of it, is the best fit to reach them. I mean, he is the elite of the elite from their tradition. He's got, an, he's got a passion for his people that's rare and, and probably unrivaled in Scripture as it relates to the New Testament, it's unrivaled. But Paul, even though he has a passion like no other for the people of his nation, God calls him to go to those who are not from that nation. He calls them to what the Bible calls the Gentile world, which is the rest of the world. And uh, in case you didn't know, because I used to think Gentiles must have been a country. They're not a country. They're the non-Jewish world. And so, so how is that? How could Paul have such a fire in his belly, such a passion in his heart, such heartbreak for these people, and yet God calls him to something else, which he becomes incredibly passionate about. Just because I'm passionate, not everything I'm passionate about is to be lived out. Um, the ancient King David, listen, listen to this, because he had the same thing going on. He was passionate about building a temple for God. 
And here's what the Bible says. 2 Samuel chapter 7 from verse 1. After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, David did, Here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it. Go for it. The Lord is with you. Now Nathan's a good prophet. He's on the money. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan the prophet and said, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says, Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? What he's really saying is, You are not the one to build me a house to dwell in. David is more passionate. He's the only person putting this on the radar. Nobody else is thinking, let's build a temple. Only David. And David's fired up about it. He's had some rest. The Bible says God's given him rest from his enemies. And in this season of rest and having refreshed and everything, he's seeking God and you can be sure of that. And what happens? He gets fired up on the inside about this one thing, that he's going to build God a temple. Wow. He's had time to rest. He's got a passion in his heart. The prophet's spoken. Surely this is a passion that he should go for. And then through the night, God speaks. He doesn't even speak to David. He speaks to the prophet. And he says, go tell David, maybe because David won't hear it, who knows why, that as passionate as he is, I've called him to something else. Not every passion on the inside is to be lived out. And yet, if we read 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8 and 9, God doesn't leave him without purpose. He says, now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I love this. I took you from the pasture. I took you from tending sheep. And I appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone, and I've cut off all your enemies uh, from, uh, from around you and before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. Now I want us to see something here. Before David gets the promise, David has to sign off on the passion. Now the promise David gets is way bigger than the passion he gives up. But listen to the order, because this is important. Because sometimes we can get a passion in our heart and get ready to go after it, and God's just trying to, just trying to get our attention so he can reset us for what he wants to take us into. And it's so important we get this because your life and mine, God has and will place passion on the inside of it, but he wants it to be directed in the direction he's called us to. And he gives him the no before he gives him the go. He, he gives him the red light before he gives him a green light. And, and it reveals something in David's heart. David's gone, no worries, God. I'm passionate about what you're passionate about. My son gets to build it, no worries. You now we're standing here today and I have dreams in my heart. But what if, what, if, what if they're not coming to pass in my lifetime? What if, what, if, what if my son or my daughter or Jacko or someone who goes for Canterbury, what if they get to lead us into what is in my heart? Am I okay with that? I'm passionate about certain things. I'll give my life to those things. I already am giving my life to them. But if God doesn't call me to it, I want to walk in what he's called me to. What about you? Because there are some things that are passions. Not everything we're passionate about is to be lived out. But God has a passion and a purpose that he has set apart for you. So just know, here are seven ways. I highlighted these last week. I just want to give them to you quickly. Number one, here's a good way to know. Number one, you can't shake it. You just can't shake it. It just keeps coming up, keeps coming up. Number two, you are energized by it. 
We're energized by it. Number three, this isn't always immediately obvious, but it will show up over time. Number three is there's grace for it and favor on it. Always looking for grace on a thing that is a passion in my heart. Is there God grace on it? Is there the impossible going on in the midst of it? There is, is there grace, on it, uh, grace for it and favor on it? Number four, people comment that you were made for this. I think I made the point last week. No one has ever said to me, Darren, you should do another song. It's just not. I don't even need to explain. People comment, where do they comment? That's a good indicator of there's grace on it where you've got passion for a thing. Would you do this for free? Would you do it for free? If I do it for free, you can be pretty confident. If I need the pay, now we all need to get paid. And I hope you'll up my salary someday soon, just for the record. But you do this for free, only joking. Number seven, it's important to you that regardless of the cost, you'll go for it. You actually go for it. Now, I don't mean it's the ruin of your family or any of that you know, silly stuff, but I mean there's a cost and you'll still go for it. They're, they're pretty good indicators around a passion. In the end, our well-directed passion will lead us into God-appointed purpose. If you're going... If you've spent all your life, you know, my mum spent the back half of her life trying to find a purpose and felt like she never got there. And, and I just think sometimes we complicate it. Don't, it. It doesn't need a divine moment necessarily of purpose. Just, just think about what you're passionate about in light of those things. It just won't go away. It keeps coming up. That's a good place to start. Not everything we're passionate about is to be lived out, but something is. There's something that is meant to be lived out. Um, so what might the singular passion God be calling you to be in this season? What might it be? It would be a good question to ask yourself. What might that be? Second is, does it have higher purpose? Can I just shoot straight with you? I'm all for lots of things. I think we should enjoy life. I think I did a terrible job of enjoying life for a long time. But I love life. I thank God for my wife. thank God for friends who actually love life. I've learned to love it. And um, I think we should love life. But what we're passionate about, the purpose we give our life to, should serve a higher purpose if I'm a believer in Jesus. They're meant to do that. Um, and then three is just focus, focus, focus. Focus says no to the next things to say yes to the best things, to the, to the God things. Um, amen. I think I jumped ahead somehow. Number two, I did. Harness passion is focused passion. Number five, harness passion is focused passion. Matthew 15, 28, we, we read that great verse. Jesus, um, Matthew 15, 28, lost my way. Uh, sorry, verse 24 again. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus lived with incredible focus around, around his passion. Harness passion is focused passion. Life only has room for so many passions, doesn't it? So what might it be for you? What do you have passion for? Does it serve a higher purpose? And, and, and is it focused? Um, um, think, think this. Think about this. What am I passionate about that I can't shake and that keeps coming up? What is that? So I can articulate it really simply. What is it, what is it for you? If I sit on it long enough, what is the one thing? What is the one passion that won't go away, that keeps coming up? Um, what is that for you? Can you articulate? Here are the four things I'd encourage you to do with this if you're going to get focused around it. Number one is 
articulate that. Just, just get it out. Get it down on paper, whatever you need to do. You go back there into my office, you'll see whiteboards. They're always full of stuff. And often they're just me getting clear on a thought, trying to articulate what's in my heart and mind. Just get it out there. Write it down. What, what is that for you? Articulate it. Number two, start to pray about it. Just, just start to commit it to God and go, God, I've, I've got this thing on the inside of my heart. You know, the, the man who started Compassion International, which, you know, helps millions of kids across the planet. He was just walking along one day and he saw a body under a, a like a, a plastic or, or, or a blanket and started to stir his heart and he, and he, and eventually he just couldn't shake it. He, it just kept coming up. And so he articulated that and he thought, I'll do something about it. He didn't know he was going to build a worldwide ministry. He didn't know he was going to help millions of kids from starving, starvation and educating them and leading them to faith in Jesus. He had no idea about that, but he articulated the passion that was in his heart that he just couldn't shake. And God started to do something. He prayed about it. He prayed about it. Articulate it. Pray about it. Here's what I'm confident of, is that God will, God will get through to you. He'll speak to you. Like I said before, when Bron and I, when I started to pray, I didn't even tell Bron or there was another person who spoke to me and said, Darren, don't try and start churches yet. You shouldn't do that. And I hadn't spoken to them about starting churches. And it was 4 a.m. in the morning. I was heading off from somewhere, and he, this person said to me, Darren, I don't know what's in your mind, but just build strength. Don't start anything new. Well, I mean, I'm in this three-week period of praying, and, and he gets this thought in his mind to tell me that. And Brian has the thought to tell me that. And it's like, okay, I'm praying about this. God, the Bible says in Proverbs, commit your ways to the Lord, and he'll establish your thinking. Commit your ways to the Lord. And he'll make clear your past. Number one, articulate. Number two, pray about it. Number three, green light it. I think that sometimes if, we're, if you're hesitant by nature, just green light it. If you like spend forever pausing, waiting, you, you need to hear from heaven. You should hit green early. Just step into it. But if you're like me, if you're like me and you say things too quickly and you're like trying to move everybody to get on with this thing, you actually need to just hit orange for a moment and just go, okay, we're just going to slow down long enough to make sure I've got this. Which way are you inclined? Because it changes the way we should move. And so just green light it. And number four, focus on it. Just begin to focus on it. Remember, don't throw out the universal, but as it relates to the unique, just begin to focus on it and start to get clear about it and so you can really go about it. In the end, your well-directed passion will lead you into your God-appointed purpose. I believe that with all my heart. So... Articulate it, pray about it, green light it, focus on it. Um, and then finally today, passion's got a point of purpose is mostly hidden in plain sight. God's God, passion's got a point of purpose is mostly hidden in plain sight. It was going on right in front of Jesus. It was going on right in front of um, Paul. It's going on right in front of you almost every time. It's, it's, it's going on in plain sight. So here, here is a way to just begin to make it happen where you're at. You know, Brody Keeley, some of you will know Brody's. He's got this dream in his heart that I won't go into. But you know, if he waits for it to just turn up, he could be 150 years. But I said, Brody, what, what, what are we doing now? What are you doing now? And you know what? You had a plan. He said, well, I can use my house now, Daz. He said, I can create some worship nights now, Daz, with who I know and and then there was something, and he said, I, I can do those three things now. I said, actually, mate, you're already doing what you're doing by the way you live in your household. You've already seeded the first one. It's already a reality. That tells me that you'll, 
You're not waiting for the glamour. You're not waiting for the scale. You're not waiting for the large. You're getting on with your passion where you are right now with what you can. So here are the, here are the questions if you want to quickly write them down. What's your passion? And where's the need? Where's the need right now? What, what's your passion and where's the invitation? What's your passion and where's the opportunity? And number four, what's your passion and what's in your hand and at your fingertips right now? What's in your hands and at your fingertips right now? Passion and its purpose is often hidden in plain sight. And my final thought is this. It probably doesn't look glamorous yet. It is probably, your passion is probably disguised in hard work. It's, it's disguised in hard work. But if you'll give your life to it, serve God with it, he'll do something profound and that he's purpose. As I close, I'm going to pray. There's a song that says, Renew in me a passion for you. Breathe on the coals of my heart. Let the fire burn. Renew in me a passion for you. Breathe on the coals of my heart. Let the fire burn. We make that your prayer today. In Jesus' name. I'm going to pray. Why don't you close your eyes with me? Why don't you stand just for a moment? Let's pray that simple prayer. I'm going to pray it. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you have placed within all of us the capacity for passion. And I pray right now that you would renew in us a passion for you, that you would breathe on the coals of our heart and that you would let and that you would cause and you would stir passion for you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey again. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.